Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 11, episode 47. This is Writing Excuses, issue as subgenre with Stephen Barnes. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And we have special guest star Stephen Barnes. Howdy. Will you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself? Well, in terms of what they're interested in mostly, I've published about three million words of fiction, about 31 novels at this point. I've worked in television, wrote for Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and Stargate and Andromeda and four episodes of Baywatch. Please don't hold that against me. (laughs) (laughs) Is is that science fiction? Well, think of all the silicon life forms running around (laughs) on the beach. Uh, And I've got a great Pam Anderson story I'll tell you another time. Um, But uh, also in comic books and plays and stuff. It's just, you know, writing is just something that I have always loved. Uh, and I've been blessed enough to be able to spend a lot of my life doing it. Excellent. And you are a wonderful speaker, so I'm looking forward to having you on the podcast. I've listened to you chat about things. Um, <laughs> we are talking about issue as subgenre, meaning you've got a deep and important issue you want to c- cover in your story, but you want it to be more subtle. You want it to be a subplot in a story. Um, how do you weave this into another story and make it authentic? Okay, well... You're starting with a presupposition that yes. I w- I'd like to like to have a chance to, to take a look Go at. Go for I it. I think one way of doing it is to make it as a subplot. I think it's uh-huh. a perfectly valid approach. Another is to ask what is the what is the guiding question that mm-hmm. you're asking. For instance, if if I've done several things that had to do with race, so let's say that the that the question I wanted to ask was, you know, uh, there are only two basic questions to ask in all of philosophy: what are human beings and what is the world that they see. And in the same way, there are two basic questions to ask in, in writing, in art. What, are, you know, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is the world that he makes? What, is, what are characters and what are the situations that they're in? So if, let's say, I looked out at the world uh, as, a, as a black male in America and said, the world does not know me. 
the, the world is telling lies about who it is that I am. When I was in first grade, the teacher sorted me into the slow reading group because of my, because of my race. And I knew right then that the world did not know me. And it, it became more and more painful as it went on because there's this, there's this gap between the way I feel about America and the way America felt about me, apparently. So I, I hid myself for a long time in my work. When I finally began to say, you know, I'm being a coward not to address this question more directly. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a coward in that way. It, it, if, if I have greater freedoms than my father had, and he had greater freedoms than his father had, then basically it's my turn in the barrel. It's, it's my turn to do something. But how do I do it without hurting my career? And I, the, the answer that I came up with was, allow me to create a, a thesis. The thesis being that human beings are basically just human beings, that people are people, that the, that the biggest differences between groups are the uh, this is a territory that they find themselves traversing over the course of their lifetimes. The counter thesis to that would, of course, be, no, it's not the territory. It's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of, of the human beings. So the, the trick would be to set up a story where the, you have thesis and antithesis, where you have a character whose position is um, human beings are just human beings and other characters whose positions know they are different and allow their ideas and actions to clash with each other. The reason, I was just saying this to Mary yesterday, the reason that Socrates was afraid of drama, did not like drama, was because it is possible to present a thesis without dialectic, without direct dialectic, without the direct ability to use logic to examine the premises because you're engaging people emotionally. So if you have that, if you know that that's what you want to do, if you want to write about you know, uh, child abuse, if you want to write about obesity issues, if you want to write about gender issues, anything. What is your thesis? What is the counter thesis? If you can find a way to appreciate the humanity of people on either side of the issue, right. and this is critical. Uh -huh. The question of, of racism, for instance, is not who is good, us open-hearted, non-racist people, and who is bad, those evil racist bigots, but rather there are people who think that the innate qualities of a human being are you know, that, that race is a determinant of quality and capacity uh -huh. and those who believe differently. That is simply an intellectual position. That is simply a belief system. It has nothing to do with the morality of the person. The actions that you take as a result of that will be moral or immoral. But basically, some of the, I, to be honest with you, some of the best people I know have been racists. They simply had a belief about the nature of human beings that, that we now consider to be unpopular. But the, the, the Encyclopedia Britannica used to state straight out that black people were inferior to white people. This was, this was the, the ground that we covered. This was the water we swam in as we begin to look more and come up with different answers for why Europe conquered Africa as opposed to the other way around. Is it possible to look at these things? Is it possible to understand the history of America without casting blame, yeah. without guilt, blame, or shame? Now you can write a story. I want to jump to the, mm. the, the thesis versus antithesis framework is kind of brilliant because if you take that and you identify those and then you say, well, what's my story going to be? Uh, you, you, well, I want to tell those and I want to frame them inside a heist. I want to frame them inside of a romance. Or I want to frame them inside of a romance inside of a heist. Yes. But until you know the thesis and the antithesis, uh, when you are writing your heist and you hit the touchstones for that issue, 
if you haven't already, if you don't already know which questions you are asking, which answers your characters may be presenting, uh, the, the writing is going to be a lot more difficult in finishing your heist novel or your if, romance. If I might offer, then we need to move between logical levels here. That there's the philosophical level, there's the strategic level, and there's the tactical level. The philosophical level is I will embrace the humanity of all of us, and I, I have a commitment to opening people's eyes. That's, that's my position philosophically. Mm-hmm. The, the strategic level is I will do this through story, okay? But the tactic level, the working out of the thing, is just write your damn story. First, <laughs> just write the story, have fun with the story. As Ray Bradbury said, just go running barefoot through the grass, have a wonderful time in your first draft, and after your first draft is over, hopefully, hopefully, that's when you say, what was this story about? That's when you find the theme. Now, if you start with a theme, like I started with wanting to write something that had something to do with race in America. I'm in a dangerous position because there is a very good chance that my story is going to become dogmatic. It's going to be bogged down. It's going to sound like a movie of the week on oxygen, you know, or, you know, or, or spike, you know, that I'm going to start with, with something that in every scene is going to be pounding at home that this is bad and this is good. That's not going to work. You, if you start with a position, then you have even greater responsibility to be entertaining. As, mm. as one of my writing mentors once said to me, your book had better be as entertaining as a six-pack of beer because <laughs> that's about how much a hardcover costs. And if, if a six-pack of beer gives your reader more entertainment than your value of the book, you will never get to, to promote your position. You'll never get beer. to share your position. You know, one mm-hmm. thing I want to jump in on this, um, I was talking with some people on the cruise. By the way, I didn't give you guys a chance to say hi. Um, I was talking to some people on the cruise last night and talking about this idea of a character becoming a one-trick pony, which I think is that Mm -hmm. danger realm. You're like, I'm going to talk about this important issue. I'm going to make this character the mouthpiece for this important issue. You run the risk of everyone around them being intricate, deep, complex, and interesting. And then whenever this one character comes up, they become the person that says, but I have to talk about whatever I'm passionate sure. about. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the thing as you were talking, I was like, oh, that's a really good tool to use to make sure that my character has a philosophical, a strategic, and a tactical approach mm. to whatever problem is, to whatever the issue is that my character is trying to approach. Right. That it's, you know, that they may, again, using the gerbil example from, from last week, that my character has a philosophical view of gerbils. Yes. Then they have the strategic view of how they are going to attempt to wait. No, strategic was well. Let's say philosophical position is that we, you know, what is the meaning of life? Right, we so should. We what should is have the meaning of gerbils? Strategic <laughs> is I find gerbils to be the most beautiful, intelligent, sweet pets in the world. Right. But people around me do not appreciate gerbils. So my tactic thing is: How do I get the people around me to accept my love of gerbils? I cannot quote Richard Gere on this. Uh, <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> although he did write the introduction to the anthology. Mm. Um, to the so, anthology about gerbils? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. But the writer then will come up with a way, how can I show the value of gerbils? Other people are going to say snakes are important, dogs are important, cats are important. But there are things that are special about gerbils. They're smart. They're small, so they get into places. I will create a situation that... Oh, that, that only a gerbil can only solve. Only a gerbil can solve, or people have a chance to see the wonderfulness of gerbils. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. 
life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah. Let's stop for our book of the week, which is actually a book and a course, yes. right? Stephen, will you pitch these things yeah, at us? Yeah, well, I've got a book um, that I that's going to be coming out early next year, uh, probably in, in February, called 12 Days, which is a contemporary, it's a, a gentle love story set against the background of the apocalypse. Okay, and yeah. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's great fun. Uh, and my wife and I are doing a course basically called Revolutionary Writing, where we're taking the question, how do you write for social change? Um, and we're going to be exploring that, and we're actually going to be doing it live in a couple of weeks, but then it'll be online. So for the people listening to this, you're going to want to go to createthenarrative.com and, and sign up for it. It's going to be absolutely great. And for those who are listening to this live, if you're interested in it, you know, let me know, and, and we'll, be in, we'll be in touch with you, or I'll, I'll share anything about it for free because you guys are already here, man. Just ask me anything <laughs> you want. I'll be happy to give away everything that I'm doing. And this is why you need to come on the cruise. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's hear it for our audience. You guys are great. I love it. Stephen, really. can, can you give us the name of that book again? Oh, it's called 12 Days. 
Okay. All right. I'm going to take us um, slightly different direction and ask. Um, this is. I have an issue that I want to my readers or our listeners to do a better job at, which yes. is I want to make sure that they research before they jump in to talk about an issue. Yes. I want to make sure that they uh, know what they're talking about and are approaching the issue with sensitive eyes. Yes. Um, so my tactical decision, or I guess my strategic decision, is to ask you guys the question of how would you recommend that our listeners do their research and not sound like idiots when they tackle one of these issues. Can, can I use a, a, an example? Yes. Which is... Um, which I'm, I'm going to have to be a little bit careful about uh, because it, it involves a book that I, I narrated. And, and so I'm going to have to talk around it a lot. Um, I could tell that the author was writing from such a good place. The author wanted diversity and wanted to promote diversity. And, and I could tell that that was the author's intention. That was the issue that they were trying to tackle. But they were not sufficiently conversant in issues surrounding diversity and so they had this diverse cast that were all stereotypes Ooh. to the point that at one, with one of the characters, I was like, the best I'm going to be able to do for this character to keep this character from sounding like a stereotyped Chinese gardener is to make him sound like Yoda, which was not a good choice. But it was written with broken English, and and it was on the page, and I'm like, I can't, I cannot do the accent that is actually written here, but I can tell he's coming from a good place because this is a hero character, but he also fell into the the magical. Well, I was going to use magical Negro, no, but no, these, the magical other, the magic. Yeah. He fell into the magical other category. So one of the things that you absolutely have to do, which Brandon is talking about, is no, not just. The, uh, the positive aspects of the issue that you're looking at, but also very specifically, you need to know the negative aspects. You need to know all of the ways that, an, you need to know as many of the ways that an issue can go wrong as possible so that you don't go down those paths. And one of the, the best ways to find that out is to go to the population that is most directly affected by that and read the things that they are writing for each other. Uh, because... Conversation in community is very different from conversation yes. outside community. Mm-hmm. That, that, God, that's smart. It's also worth noting that uh, when when someone has come from a good place and done it wrong, that community will recognize that, and they will be able to. They will usually be able to point at it and say, "Oh, I really didn't like the way that was done." You, as a writer, knowing that it has been done wrong that will help you identify where a lot of the landmines are as you are doing your homework by, you know, talking to members of that community. Yeah. There are some specifics there that I, I don't even know what they look like. I just know there are landmines yeah. and somebody may have already stepped on right. them. I referenced yeah. the book that, you know, and I'm, I'm not a minority, but in my class, I was the kid that stood out. Um, and I referenced a book that completely misfired for me for these exact reasons. So it's, it's not just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's certainly important on, on issues like racism. But whatever the issue is, if you are misfiring for the people who are most affected by that issue, you're doing something wrong. And it happens a lot. So I think part of the problem, part of the problem that makes us fall into this uh, pit here is that we're focusing on the positive and the negative aspects of a particular issue, of a particular condition, mm-hmm. 
what, what really, what we live with day to day are the mundane aspects of the particular issue, you know? And again, going back to Hollow City, this is what I learned as I was researching mental illness and schizophrenia is I could read all about the big stuff and the flashy stuff. And every single time I would end up creating a cliche because those are built on big flashy things. And doing the research of, you know, again, what is it like to live with it? Reading not the clinical discussions of schizophrenia, but the therapy books about, so your spouse has schizophrenia, what do I do now? Um, That just tell you how to get up in the morning and how to go about your day. And just little mundane things that help you familiarize yourself with what it's really like instead of just the big shiny fancy stuff. One of the things that we talked about at the the beginning of the cruise, um, which I'm, I'm referencing here just because there's a, there's a thing called microaggressions, uh, which are the small day-to-day uh, slings and arrows. And, and it's very easy to forget about them. And, and one of the things we do on the cruise is we try to make sure that our, our audience, our, our, the people on the cruise are aware so that they aren't accidentally committing one of these things. And there, these are the, you, every listener here has something that occurs in your life that is a microaggression. It's someone who mispronounces your name every single time they say it. It's someone who devalues your work every single time you say it. The, the number of times, you know, the, the microaggression that I get with puppetry is, um, oh, you must love children. And I'm like, I mean, they're fine, but that has nothing to do with my art form. That's, that's not my art form. Um, and, and so it's one of the things that you can look for, and, and it's going to make that character feel more fully fleshed, is are the, the microaggressions, as Dan says, not everything has to be one of the macro ones. Yeah, my, um, I have a good friend who's six foot seven, and he, the number of phrases he hears over and over again, oh, you're like twice as tall as me. And he's like, yes, you're three foot whatever. Like, um, if you really, like these sorts of things really bother him. You played high, uh, you basketball. You must play basketball. Uh, that one just like, and it's something that to the rest of us, you're like, why would that bother you? But then you think about hearing that as the first thing people say to you every time they meet you and how it just can really get grating. Um, you know, he says yeah. people remember him and identify him not by what he's done, but by what he is, yeah. uh, which is really bothersome to him. Yeah, and it's not, it's not that these are evil people. And yep. it's not, it's not an, an, an intentional act of, like, the people who put a hyphen between Robinette and Kowal drive me crazy. I know that they are not doing it to be mean. But my name has never had a hyphen. Robinette is my middle name. It is not a maiden name. But I have a disproportional anger every time I see a hyphen because it is the umpteenth time that it has happened. And when someone argues with me about it, (laughs) which happens, I've, I, I know it's my freaking name, but I have had people say, you know, I've said, uh, can you, can you reprint the name badge? It, it has a hyphen and, and my name isn't hyphenated. And I have had someone say to me, oh, I was told very clearly that your name was hyphenated. And I'm like, by someone who was wrong. wrong. By someone who was wrong. <laughs> by someone who is not me. You know, I, and I am telling you. And this is, this is the kind of thing that you can look for with your character. I, the biggest thing to do if you're going to write about the other, from my point of view, is to begin with the assumption that human beings are just human beings. That they're going to have the same needs and drives and hopes. And that therefore, the better you know yourself, the better you're going to understand 
characters. There's a South African uh, uh, Khoisan, uh, you know, the people in uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy uh, tradition. Uh, there's a, a philosophy called Num, which is saying that there is one soul looking out through many eyes. To start with that assumption, you're almost never going to go wrong. If you, if you, you know, you might have to modify that because it is, you know, there are, you, you could have, you could have an alien, you can, you can do this with aliens because any alien species that does not value their young enough that they have at least enough to sustain their population will be dead within a couple of generations. So you can assume that they may have different attitudes. In other words, they may generate so many young that they actually have a value on eating as many of them as possible. So we can't treat them the same way you treat people who only have three or four young maximum, you know, at a time. And, and it's a rare thing. But yet and still, questions about survival are core. So everywhere you look in the world, it's very much like Sting said in that song. If the Russians love their children, too, we're going to get through this. If you look out at people and the things that are going on in their community are dangerous or damaging, the infant mortality rate is higher, the life extension is, is the lifespan isn't as high. Assume that, they're, that they love life as much as anybody else. They love their children as much as anyone else. Even if there seems to be something abusive going on, if that goes on for multiple generations, their population will crash. They will die out. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Why does it seem that these people are so different? If you start with that assumption and move onwards from there, I think most of the time you're going to be okay. At the very least, you won't be insulting. Yeah, and, and with that, I mean, one of the things that you can recognize is that once you understand the, the, the core nature of a character and the issues that are affecting them, it becomes very easy to find other genres to pair the story with. Like with the example that, that Stephen was just giving us, that would be an, uh, one that would be really, really easy to pair with drama because drama, as the way we have been describing it, is about a character's internal state and the way it, is, and the way it affects those around them. So when you've got an issue that the character is dealing with that is around their children, of course that's going but to affect them. It also works well in comedy. Robert Sheckley mm -hmm. was genius at taking a situation just like that and people land on a planet and they, they'd get invited on a, on, a, on a baby hunt, you know? And it's like they, they can't understand that this doesn't match, you know, their sociobiology. It doesn't match their view of how cultures, and they don't understand that these people create so many children every generation that unless you kill 90% of them, everybody on the planet will die. Yeah. Small Gods by Terry Pratchett is another great example mm -hmm. of this. It's totally an issue book. And it is funny. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's a wonderful Yeah, thing. there's a... And it's uh, a coming-of-age book as mm -hmm. well. There, there's a movie called The Russians Are Coming. Yes. That is a straight-up comedy about, you know, kind of fish out of water, about a Soviet submarine that kind of Watches goes in aground Maine. in Maine. Yeah. And the, the core issue there is Soviets are just like us. It was an issue story that was hilarious. If you do that, you are doing sacred work. You know, the storytelling is the elders of the village telling the younger people in the village, this is what life is. And as we get more stories from all around the world, we start seeing that the same story patterns emerge no matter where you go throughout all of history. The universality of humanity becomes crystal clear. And that for the first time in our history as a species, in the 250,000 years we've been around, we're actually starting to trade our stories from all over the world. And this is why I think it is so, you guys, what you're doing is so important. It's critically important if you want your grandchildren to survive on this planet, tell stories that are, are honest, that are strong, that are courageous, that are funny, that are heartwarming, that are terrifying. You know, follow that, but at the core of them, let there be truth, and you'll be just fine. 
And on that, I think we're going to end. That, that was perfect. Yeah. Um, Mary, you've got some homework for us regarding the magazine that right. people read two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, I asked you to pick up a magazine that you had never, in an area of, that you were not necessarily interested in and read it cover to cover, including the ads. What I want you to do now is I want you to write a monologue from the point of view of the target audience for that magazine, someone who would pick that magazine up I want you to write a monologue where they're dealing with an issue that they are concerned with. And when you do this, see if you can pair it with a subgenre at the same time. Thank you to our Writing Jesus Cruise members and participants. Thank you so much to Stephen Barnes. This was an excellent Pleasure. episode. We appreciate you. And this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.